Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Well, there we go. Shandy, baby number five. Let's do it. And uh, <laughs> oh my word, what a day, what a day. So we're on week three of our Family Vibes series. And so if you're, if you're new here and you're new to us and this is your first just jumping into church here, um, this series is going to be helpful for you because in it what we're doing is we're looking at our, our four pillars as a church. We, we do everything that we do to help people know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And that is, that is everything that we do kind of sews into this beautiful tapestry of, of these, these pillars. And so this morning, what I want to speak to you on is this idea of discovering your purpose. And in Colossians, on, on the first week, I, I got all excited about this particular character named Epaphras. And if you've ever, if you've been a Christian for any deal of time, you've probably actually never even heard of the guy. But this particular character in the Bible, he is mentioned three times. He's got three shout-outs in the scriptures. And that is pretty significant to get, to get your name dropped in the Bible. Epaphras was a, a church planter. He was a, a missionary, a, a, an evangelist of sorts. And, and there's something significant about him because he is normal. Not that, well, I guess all of us are normal, a little bit abnormal at times. But I like Epaphras because sometimes when we read the Bible, we're like, oh gosh, I can never be like Paul or I can never be like Jesus, obviously. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Peter or maybe doubting Thomas, I can be that guy. But, but, but we never really, what I like about Epaphras is there's a little bit of us in him, this obscure person. And when I look at life and I look at Christianity and I look at this world that we live in, it's we're all kind of a little bit obscure. And we're all trying to figure out how to do this life thing. And we're all trying to figure out how to, how, 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 to, how to be a Christian. And we're all trying to figure out how to trust God when it feels like, like everything's falling apart. And we're all trying to figure out how to apply this Bible to, to our everyday life. We're trying to figure out how to be the best mom or dad we can be, how to be the best husband we can be, how to be the best worker we can be. And we're all trying to do the same thing. And so when I came upon this character, Epaphras, there's this part of me that jumped inside. Because I'm thinking to myself, here is a normal, everyday human being who discovered his purpose and made a difference. And so what I want us to do is to, to look at these three shout-outs that he gets in the Bible. And it actually highlights a few characteristics that we can all glean from. So I'm going to go read through them, then we'll pray, and then we will get heated. Just want to add a little bit of excitement. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard about it and truly understood God's grace. 
You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who has also told us of of your love in the Spirit. Colossians chapter 4, Epaphras gets mentioned again. Verse 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. And shout out number three comes in the book of Philemon. Philemon's one pager. It's a fast book to read. If you want to read one, that's a good book to read. The book of Philemon. And it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you his greetings. Let's pray before we jump into the word. God, thank you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you for these babies that we're able to get dedicated today. God, we know that you, God, you designed them on purpose for a purpose. And just as you designed these babies, these little girls, on purpose for a purpose, Lord, we know that you designed us on purpose for a purpose too. So Jesus, we give you today and pray that you'd speak to us through your word. In your name we pray, amen. Sick. Okay, so let's look at six descriptors of Epaphras highlighted in these three particular shout-outs. The first one I want to read for you, again, if you just try and read the Bible from cover to cover, you miss out on some of the golden nuggets of the scripture. Hi, Gianna. You doing, she want to preach? There you go. That's my girl. Our dear fellow servant, it says in the NIV. And if you read the New Living Translation, it says, My, our, our beloved co-worker in Christ. And what we see in that tiny little reference is we see that Epaphras didn't practice his faith alone. He was part of something bigger than himself. And what we, what we learn from this and what we can glean from this is this whole idea that Christianity actually comes alive in community. It's one thing to be a Christian by yourself, but everything changes when you learn how to be a Christian around others. See, Christianity begins as a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus, That's where it starts. You can't become a Christian because I'm a Christian. You can't become a Christian because your spouse is a Christian or your parents are a Christian or your uncle's a Christian or because you were born in a Christian country, if you can say that anymore, or because you were born in a Christian community or because you were born in a pew in a Christian church. You are not a Christian because of something anybody else does. You're a Christian because of your, your own personal relationship with Jesus, right? Everybody gets that. We get that. But my relationship starts with a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's actually contextualized through personal relationships with others. If I don't have relationships with other people, I can't actually live out the fullness of what it means to be a Christian. Because so much of being a Christian has to do with other people. Think about it. At its core, at the core of Christianity, 
Like the, like the purest message of Christianity is to, to love God and love others. And so what happens, if we isolate ourselves from those around us, what happens is we miss the opportunity to impact those who are placed around us. Listen to me. Do not waste your life. Everyone in this room matters. And everyone in this room, whether you believe it or not, was designed by God. And everyone in this room has a purpose. And everyone in this room has a capacity, has the ability to make an impact on someone else's life. So you're in the right place. And I always want to encourage you. Some of you, you're thinking to yourselves, oh, I can't wait to one day make an impact in someone else's life. Friends, you do not even know the influence that you have on those who are around you. Whether you like it or not, now this is both good news or bad news, but whether you like it or not, you are influencing people. You are impacting people. And as a Christian, you are either pointing people towards Jesus by the way that you live, or you're, you're doing nothing. It's kind of like, like there's, there's, um, um, you're, you're not actively marketing nothing. Like you're just, you are you. Or you could potentially be negatively impacting those who are around you. So it's important that we consider that, that as a Christian, being connected to a community, being connected to other people is extraordinarily important. I'm going to be honest with you. It would be easier in theory to be a Christian without, without all the distractions of frustrating people. Amen? Amen. But we would have no church if it weren't for the people. <laughs> I heard a pastor say one time that my job would be really easy if it weren't for the people. <laughs> and we're in the people business, so you got no choice. It is what it is. And so there's this element of... He's a fellow servant. He's a beloved co-worker. He's part of something bigger than himself. He's part of a team. He's part of a family. When I think of the church, and this whole family vibes idea of what we present, like we're, we're a family. The Bible uses the term, uh, the body of Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ. We, we, we need each other to function. If we were a whole bunch of elbows or, or big toes in this room, it'd be weird. Nobody would want to hang out with us. We, we need the collection of all of our diversity put together. And as I always like to point out, everybody has an armpit. And so it's, it's totally possible that two people in this room are armpits. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. It's probably me. So we're all good. Everyone slowly checks their armpits. We're good. Number two, it describes, it describes Epaphras as a, a faithful minister of Christ. A faithful minister of Christ. Epaphras was faithful when it came to the way that he lived out his Christianity. And that's a word that we don't necessarily understand in today's culture. If Athras was faithful when it came to the way that he expressed his relationship with Jesus. Another way of saying it, Epaphras was consistent in the way that he lived out his faith. 
And we all know this. Like, it's, it's way easier to be Christian in this room than it is to be Christian when we're at work. <laughs> and it's way easier to be Christian in this room than it is when we're trying to discipline our children or, or have an argument with our spouse, right? Like, not that we ever argue. Amen. Never. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's easier to be Christian here than it is to be Christian out there. And this idea of Epaphras being a faithful minister of Christ is significant. I want to let you in on a little secret. If your Christianity isn't centered on Jesus, your Christianity is likely pretty boring. In fact, you've probably struggled with your faith. Because you would look around and say to yourself, this doesn't even make sense. How is this even helpful? Why do they even have these dumb lights up here? Like, well, why, why are they doing what they do here? Why is it so dark in this room? Why is the music the way it is? Like, why is that? Why is this? And what happens when we take our focus off of Jesus and put our focus onto other things, our vision gets distorted. The way we interpret the world gets distorted. The way we interpret ourselves or the mission and the, what we're doing as a church or as Christians, it all gets distorted. Christianity comes alive when we're centered on Jesus. In fact, we live in a culture that is obsessed with discovering and living their own truth. Like you gotta live your truth. Live your truth. Find your truth and follow it. Do your truth. Find your truth. Live your truth. And this thinking has infiltrated the church. I need to find out my truth. What is true to me? I need to be who I am. But this thinking isn't actually biblical. You see, Jesus teaches, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. In other words, if you want to find enlightenment, if you want to find purpose, if you want to find, if you want to discover why you were wired, why you do the things you do, why you are the way you are, the secret is found in Jesus. Our culture doesn't get that. That's why Christian, Christians look so weird to the world. Because, because we've we, we found something that is countercultural. We've found something that, 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 is, that doesn't make sense by world standards. Because we actually believe that there is a creator God. And that creator God created us intentionally, on purpose, for a purpose. That we're designed in his image. And if we believe that God created us, and if we believe that God has a plan for us, then that means that my will, my plan, is not as important as God's will and God's plan. Because if he is the designer and I am the designed, or if he is the creator and I am the created, who am I to say to God, I would rather do this versus that because I am me and this is my truth. But God's like, whoa, I made you for so much more. Why settle on what you can see and feel and understand? What if there's something bigger going on behind the curtain? Number three. This is a small one, but it's a powerful one. 
In Colossians 4.12, verse 8, he says that Epaphras is one of you. Epaphras was a, a, a local leader. And I want to let you in on a little secret. Christianity comes alive when you're able to learn how to bloom where you're planted. When you can settle with the fact that God may have you where he has you right now for such a time as this. Because once again, he's the creator, we're the created. So maybe, he just maybe, he placed us where he placed us because he has a plan and a purpose for this specific moment. Nobody wins. Nobody. Not you, not others. Nobody wins if you wait until some arbitrary future date to get serious about your faith. You're never going to be ready enough to take a missions trip. My dear little daughter, 15 years old, next Thursday is flying to Thailand without mom and dad. And we're kind of freaking out a little bit. But we're really, really excited. And there's this, this piece of her, I asked her, Brahman, how are you feeling? Or I should be more anonymous. <laughs> anonymous daughter, how are you feeling? <laughs> and she's like, I am 50% I am excited and 50% terrified. <laughs> and I said, that is such a sweet spot of living. If we can live there in that heart of I'm so excited and I'm so afraid all at the same time but I'm moving forward anyways. Because you're never going to be not afraid. And if you're not afraid, you're either lying or you're doing something wimpy. <laughs> right? I'll tell you right now, if you're, I, I went bear hunting one time before I knew how to hunt. And there was this piece, like it's one thing when you hunt a deer, because they can't hurt you. <laughs> but bears eat things. And as you're sitting there, walking down these bear paw paths in the snow in Alberta, thinking, I don't actually know if I want to get to the bear yet. Like, I'm kind of satisfied with just looking at the paw prints in the snow. I felt so afraid, but I felt so alive. And there's this sweet spot. Who is God sending you to now? Not once you get your life figured out or once you become super Christian or hear that word that you've been waiting for. Like, like, like who is, like, don't waste your time. Like, like, what is God speaking to you right now? God may be taking you somewhere else in the future and that's great, but for right now, nobody is packing up and in a plane at this particular moment. We're all in the church right now. So here we are right now, in the present, in this very moment, at 10.55 on Sunday morning. Who is God sending you to? Who are the people that you interact with on a daily basis? The mission field isn't necessarily overseas. Your mission field is everywhere you put your feet. Everywhere you put your feet. We should have a sign right there on that door that says, welcome to the mission field as soon as you leave this room. Everybody in here is a missionary. And every Christian knows that we're supposed to love our neighbor. We get that. We can love our neighbor. 
The truth is, truth is, loving your actual neighbor is sometimes the hardest thing a person can do. <laughs> the neighbor who throws the snow on your driveway. <clears throat> the neighbor who drives over your garbage can and breaks it. The neighbor with the dog that always barks, haunts me. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to love the proverbial neighbor. But one of the most powerful things that you can do is to ask God to help you love your actual neighbor, like the neighbor who lives next door. For Thanksgiving last year, we had this really great idea. I loved it. It was Samara and Abby. It was a great idea. And we as a church, we, we baked pies, and we gave out pies to our community here at the church, around the church and said, hey, this is our first Sunday. We just want to welcome you. We'll say hello. Thanks for coming to our neighborhood. Here's pies. We went around door to door giving out pies. We gave out over 100 pies to, to our neighborhood. It was awesome. But this year, I want to take things a little more personally. I want to challenge you to make a pie or buy a pie, depending on your skill set. And give them to your actual neighbor, the person who lives right beside your house. Because your mission field isn't just here around West Hills. Your mission field is wherever it is that God planted you. And our community needs to see that Jesus is real, not just here at the church. Amen, Adam. Good job. Number four. It says, always wrestling in prayer. Now, I grew up watching WWF wrestling with my dad. My dad's here. Hey, Robert Browett in the house. Thought you are going to rip your shirt off. I'm here. If we were going to wrestle together, it would have been awesome. Um, that's my, my mom right beside him right there. Hello, mom. We're also happy for you. I'm glad you're here. And it says, always wrestling in prayer. It's not WWF wrestling. But Epaphras was active and relentless in prayer. And sometimes if I'm honest, sometimes if we're honest, I wonder if maybe, maybe this is an area we could all grow in a little bit. That we would be active in prayer. Like, if you just think about Christianity for a moment, like, if we actually believe that Christianity is real, and if we actually believe that God is real, and we actually believe that when we pray, God listens, and not only does God listen, that sometimes God, God speaks back. We actually believe that God speaks back. If we actually believe that we can communicate with the creator of the universe whenever we want, why on earth do we have such lackluster prayer lives? Why on earth? There's a great book called Christian Atheist by uh, Craig Groeschel that uh, if that is kind of you where you find yourself in that, this world right now, um, I, I recommend it. Christian Atheist, Craig Groeschel. Essentially, it's you, 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 you say you believe in God, but you don't live like you believe in God. It's a powerful, powerful thought. But Epaphras was active and relentless in prayer. And Christianity comes alive when prayer, not just prayer, but when prayer for others becomes a regular part of our lifestyle. So you'll notice a change in your Christian walk when you begin to pray more about others than you do about yourself. 
I, I'm sure you've heard this question before, but uh, I probably even said this before, but uh, if God were to answer every one of your prayers, would the people around you be impacted or would only you be impacted? It's a powerful thought. Number five, working hard. Epaphras worked hard for the cause of Christ. He knew his purpose. He put his money where his mouth was. And again, let me let you in on a little secret. Christianity starts to come alive. Like it really begins to get tangible, fun, and exciting when we begin to value calling over comfort. When we value calling over comfort, things shift. I believe with everything inside of me that as the Christian church, we are designed to be risk takers, influencers, mavericks, outliers, nonconformists. We're meant to, to be change agents, to be ripple makers, to be pioneers. We're, we're, we're not designed to simply go with the f- cultural flow and to, and to blend into culture and then disappear to a point where we're irrelevant. We're not meant to just hide ourselves off away from the world so that way we're not corrupted. We're meant to go in there and shake it up. The Christian church exists to bring hope of Jesus into the world. And if we're more concerned about our comfort than we are our calling, we're, we're, we're selling ourselves short. I can't change this world by myself. I can't change the West Shore by myself. Not any one person can do that. But collectively, in a room of 300 people, we can go out and make a serious impact in the West Shore. All of a sudden, changing the West Shore is so extraordinarily tangible. It's tangible. Just like those little precious girls who are dedicated today. And we all agreed, these girls are created by God on purpose, for a purpose. It's not just these two little gems. It's all of us who have that same calling and mantle on our lives. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but James 4, verse 17 is one of the most sobering Bible verses there is when it comes to comfort. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. And I would venture to guess and I venture to wonder, is there anybody in this room where, where you know God is calling you to do something? I want you to know that I am the sign. (laughs) I am the sign right now. This is the sign. Do it. If God is asking you to do something, do it. We get so spiritual sometimes. And we're so, I need, I need, I need evidence. I need more proof, Lord. I need more proof. You don't need more proof. You're scared. And it's okay to be scared. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. But step out, exciting and terrified. That combo will change the world. Number six, last one. We'll close with this. It says that Epaphras is a prisoner of Christ. 
That doesn't mean that Christ captive, like took him captive as a prisoner. It means that Epaphras was put into jail because he was a Christian. Epaphras's Christianity, the way he practices faith, it, it came at a cost. And Epaphras paid a, Christ, a price for his Christianity. And ultimately, he was imprisoned. And I want to be the kind of Christian, and I want us to be the kind of church who are willing to pay the price for our faith. We're willing to take risks because we, we love people so much that we want desperately for God to know them that we, we put their blessing over top of our blessing. When our Christianity moves from, God, what can you do for me? To God, what can I do for you? Everything changes. In fact, maybe just as a little side word for some of the marriages in this room. If you shift your focus from, honey, what can you do for me? To, honey, what can I do for you? That changes things too. can't promise you a life without suffering. And I, I can't promise you a life without persecution. And I cannot promise you that if you become a Christian today, your life will be easier. But I can promise you that if you surrender your life to Jesus and you discover your purpose, you will discover a fulfillment that is second to none. The word Epaphras, the name Epaphras is interesting. My biggest prayer for today, and I've been praying this for two weeks ever since I've read about Epaphras. My biggest prayer for today is that each of us would become a little bit more like him. Because Epaphras is a person who knew his purpose and lived his Christianity well. And the name Epaphras means lovely. At first glance, when I read that the first time, I was like, nerd. <laughs> and lovely is a funny word. Like when I think of lovely, I think of a lovely doily, a lovely cup of tea, that's a lovely flower. The word lovely is powerful. It means you're meant to be, it means you're, you're, you're characterized by love. You have, Epaphras had so much love. The best word to describe him was he's love, lovely. He's love personified. And it reminds me a lot of Jesus, doesn't it? And Jesus is love. We're lovely because Christ loved us. Would you close your eyes with me? I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray two prayers today. The first is for those who may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, where there's something inside of you, where as I talked about Jesus and this love of God, there's something inside of you that almost jumped. You felt your heart almost jumping out of your chest 
It's as if you're saying, God, I want, I want a relationship with Jesus like that. And if that's you with every eye closed and with every head bowed, would you slip your hand up for a second? I'd love to pray for you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Anybody else? Yeah. Oh, I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me under your breath? In fact, everybody in this room, I invite you to pray it with, you, with me. It's a great reset prayer. The prayer goes like this. Sorry, thank you, please. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making this life about me or things that don't matter all that much. I tried to do my best. But Lord, I, I, I've messed up a few times. God, I'm sorry for that. Thank you that apparently you loved me before I even knew you existed. Thank you that your love for me is bigger than I could ever possibly imagine. Thank you that today, as that pastor spoke from that Bible, that you spoke to my heart, God. Thank you that you care for me and you have a plan for me. Thank you that you designed me on purpose for a purpose. Would you please show me what it means to be a Christian? Would you please be the Lord of my life? Would you show me what that even means? Would you help me to be more like you? And would you help me to find my purpose? Thank you for creating me. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, oh my word, good move, good move. Can I invite us all to stand? And we're gonna pray one more prayer when we're standing, just in case you're about to fall asleep. I want to pray for a boldness, just a boldness over each of you. I think we all have these images of what an annoying Christian looks like in our minds, and none of us wants to be that guy. But I want to pray that you would have a boldness to be you, the redeemed Christian version of you that you'd see yourself the way God sees you and that you would just walk in faith, walk in confidence knowing that, hey, you were designed to be like this. And I'm gonna pray that God would give you the boldness to step out and do the things that he's asking you to do. For some of you, it could be a conversation that's been long overdue. For some of you, it may be, may be packing up and moving your family to a new space. And I love you. I want you here. But I want you where God wants you more than anything. Some of you could be jumping into a mission field. Some of you could be jumping into team. Regardless of what it is. I'm going to pray that God will lead you and guide you in that. So Jesus, I pray for every person standing in this room. I thank you for bringing them here today. I thank you for what it is that you're doing in their lives. God, may we be a church that listens to you and does what you say, no matter what the cost. God, may we be like Epaphras, willing to pray, wrestle in prayer, willing to work hard, willing to work together, willing to work faithfully for you and just lift your name up high. 
Jesus, may you be the center of everything that we do. We love you, Lord. We give you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.